Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to New Life Church. I want to welcome you who are watching and participating with us online today. Um, I'm going to invite you to turn or click to the book of Joshua, chapter 23, is where we're going to be hanging out. Joshua, chapter 23 and 24. As you get there, and I believe these scriptures will also be with us on the screen. Starting uh, next week, we will be, uh, as a church body, we're going to be together in a 14-day time of prayer and fasting, and we'll be talking a little more in detail about that next week, and we will also be providing daily devotionals uh, online and through our social media links that you can track and follow and have something um, if you choose to have use that or something else, but we want to at least be able to provide you some kind of uh, pattern uh, and, a, and a tool, if you will, for uh, reading and getting in the Word each week. And so those will be available starting next Sunday as we embark on a 14-day journey together of praying and fasting. And then we'll have some more details pertaining to that next week, as I mentioned, as we plan to also wrap that up and conclude that and break our fast together as a church. Um, today is uh, one of those days where we try to set aside to um, that we've been doing for about the past 10 years or so, maybe a little longer than that, where what we call a New Year prayer blessing. Last week, on the beginning of the year, uh, the first day of the year, we had a lot of folks pray um, different prayers, intercessory prayers, on behalf of you and on behalf of our church, on behalf of our city and community and and globally, really, and um, it's time to just kind of begin to set our sights on on the Lord and for this new year. And today is a day where we're going to take some time at the end of our message here in a little bit. We've built in some time where we want to personally pray for each and every one of you if you'd like it, and uh, we'll give instructions on that at, as we get to that point. But um, we're going to have, we've got um, it's just a kind of a point of contact, a prayer cloth that we want to give each of you for your families uh, that we have prayed over and anointed, and uh, just want to, as a point of contact, as you would take home with you as a reminder about today. And so we're going we're gonna to get into that today. And so, but to set this up, we're going to look at, 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 the, at the last part of Joshua here. Uh, we had started this series and done the part of this series uh, later in the uh, second half of last year. And, um, and so just coming back to the conclusion of that for today to set this up for our prayer blessing. And uh, we're, we're going to look at the end of Joshua's life and um, and, and what he relayed to, to his people. And throughout Joshua's lifetime, the way their journey began is kind of also how it ended with an earnest commitment to the Lord. And so through the in-betweens was, was full of what you could probably imagine, especially if you follow along in that series or, or read it on your own, the different battles they uh, faced and endured, the different uh, places of conquering and overcoming and and expanding and growing, le- uh, learning all kinds of lessons uh, from from God and uh, through the leaders and uh, celebrations, uh, griefs, uh, ups and downs. It's it's life, and so. But the solid uh, central cord through all of that that kept them was their commitment 
to serve Jesus, to serve the Lord, in our case, to serve Jesus in our day and time. And, and he left them with some important thoughts to remember and what I just am describing as some values. And to set this up, let's look at these first few verses in Joshua 23. Verse 1, it says, <clears throat> The years passed, and the Lord had given the people of Israel rest from all their enemies. Well, that's, that'd be a great thing, right? It will eventually happen. Joshua, who was now very old, called together all the elders, leaders, judges, and officers of Israel. And he said to them, I am now a very old man. You have seen everything the Lord your God has done for you during my lifetime. The Lord your God has fought for you against your enemies. So he calls all of these elders and these leaders and all of these rankings of people who are in charge under his command. And he's like, I've got some important final words I want to leave with you. Some things you need to remember, some things that you need to carry with you after I'm gone, things you need to adhere to and values, if you will, that you need to live by. And it was obviously his heart to see that the entire nation of Israel would be committed to the Lord and to serve the Lord and only the Lord him only. And it's the heart of God that all humanity would serve him from generation to generation, that we would all have a heart to serve the Lord. Now, keeping in mind, as you look back at the track record throughout the Bible, there was no perfect one. No generation was perfect. But one of the common threads through all of Scripture is that God gives opportunity to get right with Him, to make it right with Him, and to keep Him at the center of our life, which is our mission at New Life Church, is to keep Jesus the center of our life, of our church, and here in our community as we shine the light of the kingdom of God and try to live with the God colors of life flowing out of us and through us. And so he begins to set this up, and he's got, I've got some things I want to leave with you. And I'm just going to talk about three shortly here today. Uh, three core values, if you will, three values that you and I can take that Joshua left as we begin to take steps in this new year. Uh, 51 weeks left, all right? 51 weeks left, and I was talking with some folks earlier before service began, how fast time goes. And I know if, as you're younger, you don't think about that. I, I get that. I once was that way too. But you'll figure it out as you get older time does really seem to go by really fast. Um, the days seem long and the years seem short. And, um, and, and, it's, and so what, it's important what we do with this one life. And it's important what we do with this new year and how we steer it, how we steward it, and how what direction we go in. So we're going to take and look at these values here. Look with me at verse 6, one of the first values Joshua leaves, and he says, So be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Do not deviate from it, turning either to the right or to the left. I liken this as value the word of God. 
value the word of God, not just as some book, as a relic, not as just some history thing, but truly as the inspired, inerrant word of God. And scripture throughout teaches us and shows us that God's word is pure, that it is perfect, that God's word is life-giving. God's word is life-transforming. If you want your life to change, take this every day. Take this every day. Put this in your in, in, in your pill selection, if you will, your vitamin selection. Put this in your daily diet, if you will. God's word, all 31,200 verses, put this in your life. There is something in, in, on every page that will bring life to you, that will bring transformation into your life. If you're wanting guidance, God's word teaches us, his word will guide us. His word will lead us. His life will, his, his word will build our life. It will create a framework and a blueprint that is solid that you can trust. That, it, that it, in 10 years, it will not fall apart. If you do it according to his guidance, to his direction, according to his word, your life will not fall apart. Things around you may. Things will happen to you, things will happen around you, but you, at the core of your faith, it will not give way. Jesus said it in Matthew uh, in chapter 7, throughout the, at the end of the teaching of the Beatitudes, that in the Sermon on the Mount, that those who listen to my word and put it into practice, it will not fall. The storms will come, the rains will come, the winds will blow, but your life was not built on sand, it was built on solid rock, him being the rock the rock of Christ. He said, and if you build your life on me, your life will endure. You will be able to make it. You will be able to push through. You will be able to carry on. And so not only for now in this life, but this word, the word of God prepares us for what we're going to be doing throughout all eternity. There is no end to that. And it prepares us for eternity. Remember, as we live this one year this year, and we've lived the years past, Remember, those are short compared to how long eternity is because eternity, as you know, has no end. And this word, if we value the word of God, not only does it prepare us for this life, but it prepares us for eternal life all the way around. Let's look at the second value that I'll pull pull out today. It's in chapter 24, verse 1. It says, Then Joshua summoned all the tribes of Israel, including the elders, the leaders, judges, and the officers. And so they came, and they presented themselves to God. Now this time, he brings in everybody, brings in all the people together. And it said they presented themselves to God. I will liken that for us today as value church commitment. Not dotting I's, crossing T's, your religious thing, saying, I went to church, I did this, I went to church, I did that. No, not that, not not that. I'm talking about something much greater, deeper than that. I love how it says they came and they presented themselves to God. That's what you and I do every time we gather together corporately as the body of Christ at New Life is we come in all the churches all around We come to present ourselves to the Lord, our imperfect selves. The parts where we got it right this last week and the parts where we got it wrong. The parts where we got it right this morning and the parts where we got it wrong this morning. 
That God does not want shame and regret or condemnation to keep us from Him. Because in Romans 8, it teaches us that anyone who is in Christ, there is now no condemnation. If you have a relationship in Christ, you have professed Christ as your Lord and your Savior, there is now no condemnation. But what happens a lot of times is we let condemnation and shame and regret and guilt and different things pile up on us and we think, man, I should not be allowed to go. I don't deserve to go and come to the Lord. I don't deserve to go and be with other brothers and sisters in Christ. No, that is a lie and it's not from God. That is not from the Lord. The Lord draws us. The Lord calls us. The Lord wants us to come to him. And and, and, and as he called, Joshua called everybody, and it said they came and they presented themselves to the Lord. Psalm 92, it's actually titled a Sabbath song, song sung on the Sabbath, kind of like today. And it teaches us in that psalm. It's actually one of a kind of a core verse for us that we put on a lot of different things. We put it on our church membership uh, certificates when other when families join our church. It teaches us that when we are in the house of God, when we are planted in the house of God, it says our lives can then flourish for the Lord. That when you what you plant yourself in is what you will grow up to be. All right, what you plant yourself in and what you give roots to and allow yourself to be nurtured and cultivated in the environment, that is what you will grow up to produce in your life. And so the more we plant ourselves in God's house with God's people, presenting ourselves to the Lord and to all he has to bring and offer our lives, then that is who we can become. That is where, how, what we can bloom and prosper and produce in our life. And so that Psalm in 92 teaches us that, hey, when we give root to the kingdom, when we plant ourselves in the house of the Lord, when we make the commitment in our life and as a family that church is a priority for us, not to just say we did something religious this week and feel good about ourselves, but to say we truly can give ourselves to the Lord and to the body of Christ. There is more to gain, more to be received, and more to come out of our lives. And that psalm teaches us that, that it allows us that our lives can flourish. Everything about it. Everything about our lives can flourish. Everything about us, spirit, soul, and body can take off and bloom and prosper and be everything God intends us to be. Our homes, our relationships, our families, our marriages, our work life, our secret life, our private life, our public life, all of it can be God-honoring and God-fearing. And we, we, take, our, we take our guidance from, from coming together as one church, as one body. And we begin to understand that when we do that, we, we open our life to be able to experience the tangible presence of God as a church. <clears throat> Excuse me, as a church. We begin to open our lives up to receive encouragement, to receive the support and the prayers offered from one another for one another. We begin to grow and discover in the gifts of God that he put inside of us on how he has called us and crafted us and created us in a unique way to offer ourselves to serve the Lord with our lives. That can happen. I just know that over 31 years ago when I first became a believer and and we got into church, that the church, opening my eyes up to see that the church was not boring, 
That church is, is not boring. That church is alive. That church has, has something greater to give, something greater to offer. Begin to open myself up and God began to open my eyes to see the relationships that were available for me. To see the acceptance that was available for me. To see how people would encourage me. How, how sitting under the preaching of, the God, of, of my pastor would, would uplift me and guide me and give me some anchors to hold on to in the storms of life. And those are... Those those are just parts and just beginning stages of giving ourselves when we present ourselves to God here as a church. And then the third value that I'll point out today is found down in verse 15. Some of the famous words of Joshua that is printed on a lot of different things. He says, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the God your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? And here's this famous part. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And then verse 31 Joshua had passed at the age of 110. It's a long time to live. 110. Verse 31, it said, The people of Israel, what'd they do? They served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and those who had personally experienced all that the Lord had done for Israel. I liken this as, this, as the value of value, a personal relationship with Jesus. No other person can give you the experience of Christ than Christ himself. You cannot live a relationship with Jesus vicariously through other people. There comes a point in time where you've got to make up your own decision, make up your own mind who you will serve with your life. We all serve something and we all serve someone. We all have things in our life that are big, but the biggest one should always be front and center of our life, Jesus, Savior and Lord of our life. Value a relationship, a personal relationship, not, a, not just a religious relationship with Christ, that your duty is just Sunday or your relationship does not extend beyond coming to church on Sunday, but that you begin to discover that each and every day you walk with the Lord, He walks with you, you talk with Him, He talks with you, and how He brings all of the, the and connects all of the dots together in your life through other people in the church, and how you see this massive tapestry that has been woven together as a beautiful picture of how Christ works in His church says that he is the head of his church and we are his body and he puts us where he wants us, where we belong. And that can only happen when you make a, re, a relationship with Christ, a personal relationship with Christ, a personal experience and relationship with the Lord. And this idea of what we call prayer blessings, I said earlier, we started this Gosh, 10 plus years ago, maybe, I don't know exactly when, but a long time ago, we started doing this every year. Back then, uh, when we first started, I, I, my wife and I would be the ones, we would pray for every single person at the end of service, and we were there for like two hours. 
And we would pray, we would, we would declare, we would prophesy, we would just, all of heaven, man, we were just like, let them all, let, let these people have everything you have for them this year. And uh, we, as time grew on, we began to realize we can't do that, that's a lot. And, um, and so, but we kind of take our, our direction from, from, a, from a guy, his name is Ezra, who came up after Joshua, way after Joshua, and he was during the, him and Nehemiah. And it was a time, uh, Ezra was a priest and a scribe. He studied the law of Moses very well, knew it well, and lived it well, and taught it well. And it was a time period after Israel had, was coming out of a season of captivity, of exile to, the, to Babylon. And Jerusalem was uh, basically the city and the temple of Jerusalem was, was just, just devastated. And God was calling Ezra to use him to be a, a, a point man along with Nehemiah to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the city of Jerusalem and to re, rebuild the people's lives and faith in the Lord their God. And one of the common overwhelming central themes throughout Ezra is you see the words, the gracious hand of the Lord was upon me. It said it so many times. We've identified five of them uh, where he, he gives credit to where the gracious hand of God was on me for this reason. For God's favor was one of them. God's blessing upon him, God's completion, God's encouragement, God's help and care upon his life to fulfill God's purpose for him. In other words, what Ezra was getting at and what what was kind of noted for and what it's understood as the gracious hand of God on my life is I am surrendered to and I'm living under God's leadership, lordship in my life. And as a result, God obviously brings all the things that he can bring into our life to help each and every one of us fulfill his purpose for our life. So as we begin the new year, we like to look at that and we like to um, put our faith in the sense that, man, when you say you live with God's gracious hand on your life, you realize what you're saying is, I'm surrendered to him. I'm going to live under his guidance. I'm going to live under his lordship. I'm going to live under his leading. And I'm going to do all I can to not get out from under his hand. But I want all of his hand on me because of what his hand can help me do. And that is not to live a life for myself, but to live a life that would bring honor and glory to him. And that would help point other people who are lost and far from God to know this loving, kind, awesome God that we serve and that we know. Jesus says it this way in John 15. It's out of the message translation. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He says, when you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. He says, when you're attached to me, when you're connected to me, when you live surrendered to me, This relationship is rich and abundant, and it has all the necessary ingredients ingredients of being life-giving and life-changing. And he says, but separated from me, out from under my hand, you can't produce a thing. 
Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. Because this is how my Father shows who He is when you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. And kind of the underlying understanding of that is that when we grow and mature in the ways of the Lord and in our spiritual faith and growth, the things we ask for are not selfish. The things we ask for are because we desire for what God's will would want to be in our life. And that's a sign of maturity. And he said this, my father loves this part about that. But that only happens, growth only happens, maturity only happens, development only happens, transformation only happens, is the more we yield and surrender our lives to the lordship and leadership of God through Christ Jesus in us. In other words, having his hand be firmly fixed upon our life. And in fact, that's one of the nightly or daily prayers I pray over my, over my children is that they would live with the hand of God firmly fixed on them. Because when, as, as you think about it, you're, you, you, um, if you're in, let's say you're at a huge store or you're out in a huge public place and you're walking with your kids or something, uh, or maybe walking with your, your spouse and, and you see how crazy busy it gets. Come here, Daniel, real quick, man. I'll just give this um, impromptu um, illustration. Let's hope it goes well. Um, and you're walking, man, and it's crazy busy. People are all over the place. My hand comes upon you and I see that is not the direction you need to go because you'll get lost in the crowd. I'll gently nudge you this way and say, this is the way we need to go. And I'll keep, we'll keep on going. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So uh, you might find yourself naturally doing it as a parent, especially with a little one in your life as you're walking through stores and highly public places that you are guiding them because you can see where they need to go. God can see how our lives need to go. But, we, we, but in order for his hand to be on us, we got to allow his hand to be on us. And I'm so thankful his hand is not some stern grip, man, that's just you know eating into my bone, into my muscle, and it hurts. No, his hand is gentle, but yet it's firm. He has a solid grip on us, but yet at the same time, it's gentle enough that we want to respond to it, that we want to move with it. We want to go and live how he says. And so kind of take that as we move ahead today and into this new year. And so we've got these core values that Joshua left that you and I can take. And there's, there's a lot more in there. But I just want to leave these thoughts with you, these three thoughts with you as we begin to set out to live in this new year, 2023. That as the calendar has rolled over, new year has happened, doesn't necessarily mean everything is new because the only one who can make things new is God himself. But I'm excited to see what he wants to unfold in this new year, not live by fear, not live by anxiety, not live by trying to control all the outcomes, but trying to live with hope, trying to live with faith, and trying to live with love the greatest of these being love. May the love of God be the biggest, brightest, boldest, richest thing that beats in our heart. Because when his love, his agape perfect love is alive in us, 
it melts fear. It melts worry. It just kind of, it just drowns it all out because we know we can trust our God whose hand is upon us. And now I'm going to end that part because I want to open up this opportunity uh, for us to pray. So if you can stand with us this morning.